What free agent options are out there for the Cowboys for a swing tackle? All that and more in this episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On. Locked On. Locked On. Welcome back to the Lockdown Cowboys podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. I am Marcus Mosher. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. He is Landon McCool. Check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. I'm always uh, always excited on Tuesdays. We get question days. We always get good questions, and uh, it's at least always good for a good laugh and or cry as uh, we go over Cowboys football. Yeah, we got over 40 questions. We're not obviously can't get to them all today, but one very common theme that a lot of you want us to talk about is the swing tackle spot. Mm. Josh Ball did not perform particularly well in week one of the preseason, so people are curious what free agent options are out there. This question comes from Cam. Believing that the swing tackle isn't on our roster, who are some legitimate names to watch out for? Landon, I made a list of seven uh, offensive tackles that are all available in free agency. I'll run through them. If you have a thought or two on one of these players, please jump in and interrupt. Okay. Great. So first one, Daryl Williams, who played for the Buffalo Bills last year, started 17 games. He is a right tackle only, played a little bit of right guard during his time for Buffalo, but basically a right tackle only. Not sure he's really that swing tackle guy you're looking for. Uh, Jason Peters. Now, here's a left tackle. <laughs> he's 40 years old, and he hasn't played a game at right tackle since 2005. So before Tony Romo started a game in the NFL. <laughs> it's the wow. last time Jason Peters has taken a snap at right tackle. He also is at the stage in his career where he's not signing with you to be a swing tackle. He's, st- he's signing to start, right? I think he got a like a one-year, $11 million deal from Chicago last year to be their left tackle. He's the best name probably out there if you need somebody like beyond a game or two games, yeah. like a long-term starter. You've got him. Yeah. Eric Fisher uh, did not look good last year coming off the Achilles injury from the Colts. He's still a free agent. Marcus Cannon, right tackle only, has never played a game at left tackle in college or in the NFL. Brian Balaga, same way. He's never played a game at left tackle since high school. He also missed 16 games last year with an injury. And then there's Nate Solder, who does have some flexibility playing left and right tackle, uh, but it's Nate Solder. So that's the list. (laughs) Yeah, uh, you notice I didn't interrupt you very much. Uh, You know, I think it shows you that the, you know, trying to find a swing tackle is an incredibly difficult job. And frankly, it's a roster mechanism to try to save a spot, you know, when in reality, maybe the prudent thing to do here is to find somebody who can come in and play left tackle for you. You know, if something happens to Tyron Smith long-term and that's the thing, right? If if something happens with Smith where he's missing a long stretch, I think that's when you call Nate Solder or you call Jason Peters or you call Eric Fisher, but you're not signing any of these 35, 36 year olds to be a swing tackle unless you absolutely need them. I, I think the only name there that's you know even kind of remotely interesting is Eric Fisher to me because maybe you could bring him in, give him some space to kind of for, you know get a little bit further away from that Achilles injury, 
develop him a little bit as a swing, you know, left and right tackle guy. And maybe you could get something out of him by the time you need him, right? By the time if something happens that you you you, ha- you need to plug him in. Honestly, the, the more I look at this, and I, and honestly, I haven't spoken to you about this specifically, but to me, it just feels like the more we get, the further along we get into this, the 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 more I feel like they are planning on a a, a, a Smith replacement with a Smith, right? <laughs> like that they're gonna kick Tyler Smith out if it's a if it's an injury in game or something like that. You plug in McGovern. Or, or maybe <laughs> Farniak if it's left guard, like, and and then you, uh, and you figure out the way to finish the game. I'm, I'm kidding. It's likely going to be McGovern. Yeah, but it's going to be McGovern. Yeah. I, I think, I think that you know that makes some roster management sense at least. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think otherwise, if you're trying to go find one guy to play both backup tackle positions, it's just a, it's just a difficult ask. I, I think even with Ball, like they, they should probably go ahead and discontinue this left tackle stuff with ball. I think somebody, I, th- I can't remember. I think it was maybe Danny fandom from blogging. The boys tweeted out uh, you know, a list of four potential, you know, uh, backup swing tackle options. And you know, he listed obviously number one being uh, an outside guy. You just listed all the folks mm-hmm. there and, and how problematic that is. Uh, number two is, uh, was Cam think, Irving. you know, yeah, Cam Irving or someone like that, a, a trade situation where you go get a guy. Number three was Josh Ball, which clearly is not working at this point or at least hasn't developed to the point where you feel comfortable yet. And number four would be what we just discussed, Tyler Smith kicking out. I think they they are trying hard to make it three and that four is their backup plan, right? Mm-hmm. Like that they, they would like for Ball to grab that job and, and take it and be the swing tackle I just think it's unrealistic since they've specifically been t- playing ball on the right side the entire spring. They're jumping him over to l- back over to left tackle last minute. I just think it's too little, too late, and, and it's mm-hmm. too difficult. Uh, so I think that likely four is is what we'll get early on. And if something gets, you know, four being again Tyler Smith kicking out to left tackle, and if something happens that it's a long term injury, then you need to go out and get a veteran for the long term. I just wish that they would come, and, and I know they won't because we're in the middle of training camp, but we're in the middle of competition. I just wish they would provide more clarity as to what the plan is. I, I think that right now they're just keeping all their options open. I, I will give you two names of like guys that could actually be swing tackles that they could maybe trade for. Um, the first one's with the Browns. It's Chris Hubbard. I think Hubbard's probably going to be their fourth tackle on the roster. He's played guard. He's played both tackle spots. He's a little bit more expensive, so I, I don't know if Dallas would be interested in that. Uh, but a- another one who we, we actually saw last week and they could try to bring back Cam Fleming. Fleming's like the fourth tackle for Denver. I know nobody liked Cam Fleming when he was here, but could he get you through a game if you needed to? Probably, but that's, that's kind of the options that we're talking about. And that's why, I don't know, Landon, I'm like, I'm not in a rush to go out and get anybody yet. Like when they need somebody, that's when this list of guys is going to come uh, in handy, but. And the truth is that the options may actually get better from here. Sure. Like, you know, like sure. it, it may be that the, our best options aren't available here. Once we get closer to cut down, there may be more names that we aren't even aware that could be available for a low cost trade or potentially just picking up off the waiver wire. So sure. uh, I think right now you look around the options and the reason the Cowboys aren't running out to go deal with this is because the options well, aren't great. You well, know? and the other thing is too, is like, 
you might as well give Ball as many reps yeah. in the preseason as camp because you want to see, hey, has he gotten any better since week one of the preseason? If the answer is no, then yeah, let's go out and sign an Eric Fisher. If the answer is yes, okay, let's wait until we need somebody, right? If he's not ready, you know, at that point, maybe we can go out and sign somebody. But there's just no incentive to signing one of these guys right now. I agree. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's get to some more questions. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about Athletic Greens. I've been on Athletic Greens for about six months now, and I absolutely love it. It has a very mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to having each morning right before I have my coffee. Uh, what is in this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins and minerals to help you start your day off right. It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. In fact, it's cheaper than going out and buying all the different supplements yourself. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, next question. This one comes from Zach. Who is a high draft pick or high profile player in the most danger of being left off the 53-man roster? Hmm. Hmm, that's a good one. Um, you know, I, I mean, look, I, I think he's had a really good camp. Um, uh, but I'm really, I'm really kind of struggling to figure out the interplay of the defensive tackle, like backup situation, right? Like, I, I, I think, I wonder if Tristan Hill isn't a good target for a trade potentially with yeah. to somebody, right? Because it's just a weird fit on this defense. He's played well. I mean, it's not like I'd, I'd want to. No, get he hasn't rid of been a Lord. disappointment. No, at all. Um, but I just feel like it's it's a weird fit because you know he's he's kind of a three tech only. They've been trying to move him around to do a little bit of kind of four eye five stuff so that he could be kind of the versatile guy. But they just they want their backup defensive tackles to have a little bit more versatility if they're going to be that kind of body type, right? Mm -hmm. Like look what they're doing with Golson, right? Golson's playing the seven. He's playing the three. He's playing. Uh, I don't know that he's played anything inside of a three, but like he's playing all those alignments in between. Uh, so I, I, I don't know that he would be cut, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like that would uh, potentially be, uh, you know, part of a trade or, or a target sure. of a trade simply because it may not, the numbers may not fit. And you have a lot of guys there, especially now that Bohana really showed you something in that game. Now you really do have quite a bit of backup. Uh, at that Do you think they're going to keep both Ridgeway and Bohana? Because I struggle with that. I, I feel like there's only room for one of those guys on the roster. I think they might, man. Just because they, I think they think about how much big defensive tackle they played last year, like with Hamilton and Bohana, or uh, you know what I'm saying? Like they, yeah. they did do a sure. lot of that kind of double nose sort of defense. So I can't. I mean. I don't know. It's I, 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 I don't disagree with what you're saying, like that it feels like it, 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 there's not necessarily enough room. But I, at the same time, they're playing so many varied fronts at different points. And 
if Bahana is going to like give you maybe a little bit something more as a pass rusher than he did last year, then maybe you could find a way to justify it. I, I, the defensive end and defensive tackle room, I think, is very fluid simply because they can play a wide variety of techniques, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that that gives them a lot of options to kind of form their rooms in very different kind of unique ways. Uh, the the name that I would mention is Calvin Joseph. Now, I don't, I still think Calvin For Joseph sure. makes this makes this team, right? I do. It's just we're talking about in danger, right? Because the top three are so set. And then we should talk about this guy, Deron Bland, who a lot of people are asking about. I, I, I thought he was really, really good on Saturday. The Cowboys obviously like Nation Wright because of his size and length. And then we'll see about CJ Goodwin. Like, I, I still have a hard time believing CJ Goodwin's not going to be on this team in week one. So, does that potentially leave Kelvin Joseph on the outside looking in? Especially if there's been some rumblings that he's not necessarily getting along with the coaching staff or. They don't necessarily see eye to eye. I don't know. I'm not saying Joseph is going to be cut, but if Bland continues to play this well, and let's say Nation Wright has a better week two and week three performance, it wouldn't be shocking to me. No, I mean, I I, I don't think that that would be shocking. I, I he could be another guy that I think could be a, a potential for a trade. You know, um, just because of the position he plays and the need there. So. Uh, I think that Bland had a really good game. I, I think that, you know, it, the quarterback room is another interesting one because Bland had a really good game. I thought Joseph actually played pretty decently too. But the guy that's been practicing the best, Nation Wright, had probably the, the worst of game. those three, yeah. the worst of those games. Yeah. Like, yeah. So uh, I, I think it's it's kind of – it's early still. Um, but I do think that there is something to the idea that you like all three of those guys, you think all three of those guys have something to them but they may not all fit on the team. So right. I do think that, that 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 kind of idea does make some sense. All right, next question from Lucas. How much faith do you have in the Cowboys' offense, especially when Michael Gallup gets back? It likely won't be the NFL's top unit again, but can it be a top-five group? I think it can. I mean, I think, you know, Dak opens a lot of things up for this offense. I think once they have their health back and they've got kind of a wide variety of players – They've got a lot of different formations they can attack you with. Um, I, I'm interested to see just exactly how much uh, variety in formational use they'll 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 have now that they've kind of stripped things back a little bit. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't. I think that they what they've discovered is that you know having the number one offense by itself is not enough, right? Like yeah. you, you need to have a level of efficiency there, and you need to have talent on both sides to kind of handle that. So uh, I think that they, they, there could be a possibility that it's not the, you know, the, the numeric number one offense, but it's still a more reliable, better offense than it was last year, uh, especially near the end of the season um, where it just felt like there was some explosives, but you just couldn't rely on them going out there drive to drive and scoring touchdowns as much as you could earlier on in the season. I, I do want to remind people that in 2019, the Cowboys had the number one offense in the league in 2020 before Dak got hurt. They were on pace to be the number one offense in the league and they were last year. Yes. They've lost some talent at, at receiver and on the offensive line, but I still think Kellen Moore is really good. I still think Dak is really good. They still have two, I think future hall of famers on the offensive line. And I think CeeDee Lamb is going to be a superstar, right? It's just 
when Gallup, how long, how good can they be until Michael Gallup gets back? That's the bigger question for me. If Michael Gallup can be close to 100% by week eight, week nine, I think they'll be fine because I do think they have enough complementary pieces with Tony Pollard and Dalton Schultz and Jake Ferguson and Tolbert. Like, I think they'll be fine. It's just getting to November and still staying afloat, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I again, and I feel like we've kind of covered this several different times, but as good as Amari Cooper is, and as much as you know, he has the you know talent and all those things. He was the third most targeted player on this offense last year. So yep. let's not act like, you know, CD Lamb was the one who got traded. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 there's this idea that, like, there's no way that the Cowboys can, like, overcome the loss of, of Amari Cooper. I just, I just don't believe that that's true. And, well, and, and I, I, think- I think the Cedric, and I think it's for most people, it's the combination of Amari and Cedric Wilson. But I do want to remind people last year. I remember almost this exact same date us talking last year, like, Hey, is Cedric Wilson locked to make the roster? Yeah. Like he had 189 career receiving yards going into last season. So I know it's a big loss because he had 600 yards or whatever last year, but it's just Amari Cooper. And if CD lamb can take the next step that I think we all anticipate, I think they will be fine. I'm not sure about number one, but they'll be fine. But I don't know that number one needs to be necessarily the, you know, the the floor, like the 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 bar. You know, that having the number one offense isn't the bar. The bar is to win football games, and I think you can win a ton of football games without having the number one offense if you can find efficiency and if your defense can play good football. So, uh, yeah, ultimately, I think I, I don't care about the fantasy football numbers. I care about the uh, ability to score I'm touchdowns when that. we need them. Yeah, I know that's it's, it's very surprising for me to say something like that. Uh, Yeah, so last year they were number one in the league in big plays or explosive plays created. I've got a feeling they're probably not going to be at that spot this year. Like, it's just, it's going to be really hard to repeat that. But where they could be better, like, is in the red zone. Like, too many times last year they had to settle for field goals or they went for it on fourth down and they weren't able to convert. Um, I think they were like 63% touchdown conversion rate, which is pretty good. But I think they could even be better than that last year. Like, you think of specific games like, Remember the New England game where Dak fumbled the ball on the one-yard line or whatever? They had another one where they missed a field goal down there. Like, if they could just be 5% better in the red zone, it's going to make up for having 10 fewer explosive plays in the passing game. So that's where they can be better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that just a, a level of efficiency higher per drive would be nice. They're number one in points forced last year, but num- like barely in the top 10 in points per drive. Yeah. And I think well, that's, that's partly because of the defense helps so much at creating turnovers and all that kind of stuff. So absolutely. So I, I just think that they need to increase the efficiency uh, of their scoring. And you, you mentioned red zones, a big part of that. Uh, and just finding a level of, of reliability and consistency, I think is going to be helpful as well. All right, let's get to some more questions. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about Elias game plan. It's almost the start of the NFL season. And if you're into sports betting or fantasy like Landon, you need a competitive a competitive edge to win. That's why we highly recommend the Elias Game Plan app. It's the ultimate sports betting and fantasy companion for NFL, NBA, and MLB. Elias Game Plan is the only sports app for the most trusted name in sports, sports stats, Elias Sports Bureau. Their app lets you access team and player stats, head-to-head team comparisons, and Elias's insights from the Elias Sports Bureau's research team. 
The app is really your one-stop source for player news, expert game analysis. It's perfect for the preseason. You get player previews to help you draft a winning fantasy team. Uh, And all their stuff is out right now. So go check it out. Take our advice. Download the Elias Game Plan app today with new features available all the time. Take your game to the next level. NFL season is right around the corner. So don't wait. Find Elias Game Plan in the App Store or Google Play Store right now. Also, let's should go to built.com and check out the absolutely fantastic cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light, chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of baking it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein. Uh, make sure you go to check them out right now. Go to built.com, use promo code locked on 15. That's new promo code locked on 15 to get 15% off your order. You're going to absolutely love the cookie dough chunk puffs. Uh, whether you need a snack for your workout, a light night treat, or just a quick little snack with you on the go built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat and sugar, grab yourself a built bar. Go to built.com. Use promo code locked on 15 for 15% off today. All right. Next one. Uh, this is a good one from Will. He wants to know about penalties. Why hasn't the cow, why haven't the Cowboys changed uh, some of their discipline stuff after committing 14 penalties in the playoff game last year? You actually brought up a really good point pre-show that maybe they they did. And we just didn't notice it. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how the Cowboys had all these penalties in the preseason game and they had all these penalties in the, the playoff game. They had 14 penalties. Famously, as we've all heard, they've had 14 penalties in that San Francisco game. Eight of those 14 penalties were committed by four players who are no longer on the team. Mm-hmm. So they've made changes here. It's And it's, you know, it's not like the, the things aren't different. And frankly, I mean, I think... I didn't go through the actual penalty by penalty uh, in the in the in the you know the the preseason game because it's a little bit diff- more difficult to find, uh, but uh, you know I would g- venture to guess that that ninety percent of them were done by people that were either not on the team last year or or weren't starters, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like I don't understand what the logical like like connection here is other than a high, high number being for both, I guess, you know what I'm saying? Like, sure. I, sure. I, I, I just don't, I have a hard time blaming Mike McCarthy for Randy Gregory jumping off sides f- three times in a playoff game. I have a hard time blaming Mike McCarthy for, uh, you know, holding penalties on Connor Williams when, you know, Connor, I, I have a feeling that they told Connor Williams to not grab a guy when he's yeah. trying to redirect away sure. from him. Sure. You know, it's like, so, I just that's why the penalty conversation to me is asinine uh, because we talk about all the different aspects of, pa- of of penalties, except we never actually speak to the referees about what they saw on any of this stuff or, or make them explain what the penalty was or why there was a penalty on this stuff. So I, I, I chasing penalties in the preseason when they've had, you know, I, and honestly, I think the person who made the best point about this was Babe Laufenberg on Twitter yesterday who said, you know, when he was at, uh, uh, you know, at this point in the regular season, by now they would have had upwards of 25 to 30 padded practices before they have their first preseason game. This mm-hmm. is like practice number 10 or 11, I think. And, and so guess what? 
it's ugly. It's sloppy. The the starters aren't in, in any of these games. The the down roster guys are the ones who are in in these games. So these guys are, have have gotten even fewer reps in full in full uh, pads in front of referees uh, being kind of uh, uh, evaluated. And and beyond that too, they're younger guys who are playing their first reps in NFL level full speed, uh, and and have been taught their technique all throughout practice, all throughout training camp. And guess what? You can get taught the technique all you want. It isn't until your face gets smashed by a professional defensive tackle that you really find out how well your technique is going to work and what you need to adjust to play at the speed of the NFL. So I just have a hard time getting up for this, this argument. It's, it seems asinine. The refs are also in preseason. They're also having their training camp. Uh, so I, I, I think there's something to the idea that the Cowboys obviously need to do, be better about penalties. There's no way around that. But I'm having a hard time drawing a logical tie to the penalty problem that existed last year and the actual where the rubber meets the road uh, 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 causality of, of how anything that happened last year is kind of being transferred uh- onto this team this year. If the Cowboys would have had 14 penalties on Saturday and their first string offense and defense played like two series and they had five penalties, I would be concerned. But Landon, they scratched 30 players for this game. 30. That's all the starters plus eight more players. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And we should also point out like, we are still getting used to three preseason games. Like it wasn't, it was just a few years ago they had four. And by this time, you'd already have two under your belt. Because of that, they've changed the way that the roster cut down has worked, yeah. where I think a few years ago, you've already, you already would have been down to 75 players. And I think teams just have to cut down to 85 now. Mm-hmm. So you're just having more of the bottom end guys in the roster play in preseason because you have them available. You might as well use them up before you have to, to cut them, right? I know it sounds really bad, but if this issue – is happening in whatever game the Cowboys make their dress rehearsal or whatever, or if it's but they're not early going to do season. that. Like yeah. that's a, that's the other thing too is that with these joint practices, we're not even going to see a dress rehearsal. Probably not. That, that's why so, if, if it starts happening in the season, right? Like if we start week one against Tampa, week two against the Bengals, and they have double digit penalties, that's when I think we can have a real discussion about hey. Mike McCarthy's got to change something. Like this is getting out of hand. I, I think just, I don't people, care in the preseason. I think people need to. I mean, we've talked about the adjustment to the joint practices and how those are kind of the new preseason games. Yeah. The ugly truth of the reality of the modern NFL that nobody wants to talk about is that the preseason is the first four games of the regular season. We talked about this last year, right? Go watch, go watch football in September, and then go watch football in late October and November, and tell me that the difference isn't almost exactly the same as how football used to be in preseason game one versus preseason. You remember? You remember when it it used to be that third preseason games where teams would play their starters like into the third quarter, right? And that's kind of when you're working through some of the the kinks in your offense, like. It's, it's week one now. It's week two. Yeah, it absolutely is. And and, and I think that that mentality is, is where Cowboys fans' heads need to be too, is that it's not that those games don't count, but the seasons are so long now. And, week and, one and, and, and week two have never been more meaningless, right? Absolutely. And and as the season goes on, like, you know, the point of the of the of it is to be 
crescendoing into the the end of the season, right? To, to be playing your best football. Look at way, the, way, the way San Francisco did it, right? I, say what you want about San Francisco. Probably not the most talented team in the NFC, but they were playing like the best team at the end of the year last last mm-hmm. year. I mean, that, that that's that's how they were able to kind of continue to go the way they did. So that's where you want your team is you, it's okay to, it's fact, it's fine to struggle early in the season, but you, you need to be on track and playing your best football near the end of the year. And I understand that regular season, like it's hard for people to hear that those, and I'm not calling them throwaway games, but I, I think that it's the reality of, of the, of modern NFL that all teams across the league are still working out the kinks the first two, mm-hmm. three weeks of the season. Again, if this is an issue for the Cowboys early on in the season, we can have a discussion. I just don't care about preseason penalties. Like, this is when you're trying to figure out, like, hey, what can I get away with? How much contact can I get away with? What's How are they going to be calling holding? How are they calling Ruffy the passer? Can I just not put my head down at all? Like, this is the time to figure out stuff, not during the season. So, we'll see. I'm I'm just not concerned about Avante Collins having two holding calls in the fourth quarter of a game because he's not going to make the roster. It's just not a big deal. Yeah, it's it. It really is. It really is the classic. This is the narrative, so we're all going to talk about it. Situation to me, like I, I, there's there just doesn't seem like there's a lot that necessarily. Even though the number seems the same, there there doesn't seem to be when you actually investigate it and you actually investigate what's happening. There doesn't seem to be a ton yeah. that will correlate to the regular season, a regular season problem as it stands right now. Yeah, Cowboys Twitter was riling up their fans on Saturday night, and you know how much I love to do that. But even for me, it was a little much. I have like a, I can't do this tonight. <laughs> You've lost the taste a little bit, Marcus. You well, changed three season for all of us. We're still getting warmed up. So, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, all right, that is it for today's show. Thank you for making Locked On Cowboys your first listen today. Now make your second listen to Lifetime Fantasy Football Podcast. Find the intellectual fantasy expert, Vinny Iyer, who brings over 20 years of NFL expertise in a unique angle to give you the moves no one else has. Get ready for your fantasy draft with Locked On Fantasy Football. You can follow our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also check us out on YouTube. You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. We'll see you guys next time.